the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. I like the bumper sticker, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And I think Paul's saying the same thing. Be yourself, be comfortable in your own skin, know that you've got a certain giftedness, spiritual gifts, charismata, capacities to serve the church of Jesus Christ, to edify it and impact the world. So embrace that. Spiritual gifts are meant to be used, and God's Word tells us that no one is exempt. We each have a unique assignment according to God's grace. And today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy helps us to identify our gifts and put them to use in serving others for the building up of the church. We're continuing our series titled Total Grace, a study that examines God's grace that empowers our daily lives. And now, Philip turns our attention to Romans chapter 12 for a message he's titled, Highly Gifted People. I think you'd agree with me, God's grace is amazing. There's nothing quite like it. To look on your life, look back on your life, and anticipate in days to come within your life the favor of God, His unmerited love, His constant grace and mercy. It's an astounding and confounding thing to be given what you don't deserve, because that's what grace is to be given forgiveness and justification and adoption into God's family, the gift of the indwelling presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit, the promise of heaven. It's a wonderful thing to be given what you don't deserve. And then on top of that, like a cherry on top of the cake, you are not given what you do deserve, which is judgment and punishment and everlasting conscious hell. What an amazing thing. What a fabulous thing the grace of God is. My friend Pete Mothershead is right when he said to me one day, there is nothing greater than the grace of God that will come into your life unless you make it so. It's true. Grace is amazing. But here's the point we're focusing on in this present series, Total Grace. Grace isn't only amazing, it's abundant. It's not just wonderful, it's full. It's complete. It doesn't just meet you on the front end of your Christian life. It's something that establishes it, excites it, energizes it, and enables it. What do we read in John 1, 16? Of His fullness have we received grace for grace. That's a wonderful image. It's the image of wave upon wave. One experience of grace followed by another experience of grace. Grace upon grace. Grace isn't just amazing, it's abundant. 
listen to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and that will reinforce my thought. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every or all good work. What a statement. This is a promise so big, so expansive, you can literally build your entire life on that one verse. See, the Greek grammar didn't have exclamation marks. And so if the Greek writer wanted to emphasize something, he repeated a word. And you'll notice the repetition of the word all in our text. God can make all grace abound to you in all things at all times, with all sufficiency, for every or all good works. That's a massive promise. That's a blanket big enough to throw over your whole life. Grace is not just amazing, it's abundant. Grace establishes justification. Grace fuels sanctification. Grace promises glorification. My friend, it's God's favor through and through. Doesn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, I am what I am by the grace of God. I like what Philip Graham Ryken says, grace is not just the way into the Christian life, it is the way on in the Christian life. And that's why we've been looking at this doctrine of grace, the theology of grace, what we have called total grace. We've seen saving grace, Ephesians 2. We've seen strengthening grace, Hebrews 4. We saw last time speaking grace, Colossians 4. As we carry this series forward, we're going to see that God's amazing grace extends to the bestowment of spiritual gifts or graces among God's people for the purpose of mutual edification and gospel effectiveness. Look at the passage, Romans 12, verses 1 through 8, and I want you to notice the wording of verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. The same grace given to us that redeems us, justifies us, and saves us, that same grace also gives us gifts, abilities, capacities to grow the body of Christ and have a life of gospel effectiveness. Spiritual gifts are simply just one more manifestation of not only the amazing grace of God, but the abundant grace of God. So let's come and look at this passage, highly gifted people. Now, let me just put the text in its context quickly. The first thing you'll notice is that Paul begins with, I beseech you, therefore. This is a turning point. This is a tipping point in the book. And we're moving from the doctrinal part of the book, chapters 1 through 11, to the ethical part of the book, chapters 12 through 16. We're moving from gospel indicatives, truths about Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us to gospel imperatives, that which we must do in the light of that which he has done. So that's kind of the text in its context. We're at a pivotal moment. And in verses 1 to 2, Paul will challenge them to a consecrated life in the light of the mercy of God. And then he will begin to apply that in verses 3 through 8 in the employment and deployment of spiritual gifts. He calls them to a life of service, 
to a life of being a living sacrifice. And he's letting us know that one of the major outlets for that kind of service dedicated to Jesus Christ is the local church, where you employ your grace gifts. So there's three things here, if you're keeping notes. I hope you are. Many of you do, and that's always an encouragement. The argument, the assessment, the assignment. Let's move sprightly here. The argument, verses 1 to 2. This is the setup. As we've said, verses 1 to 2 is the bridge between what has been said and what's about to be said. We're moving from the doctrinal to the ethical. But it's also a prelude to Paul's instructions on spiritual gifts. Because he wants to make this argument, before you give yourself to serving the body of Christ, you will first of all have to have given your body in dedication and consecration to Christ. The one grows out of the other. As you commit to being a living sacrifice for the glory of Jesus Christ and the extension of His kingdom, one of the outlets will be serving the local church. And what we have here in these verses is Paul drawing from the Old Testament, from the sacrificial system, from Levitical worship, and he's urging the Romans to give themselves as a living sacrifice to God. If you get into the Greek grammar, you'll see that all the words are Levitical in nature. When we read here about presenting or offering your body, that's a Levitical word. That's a word that's used in the Greek Old Testament of the priest offering a sacrifice to God of bulls or goats. That's a Levitical word. Here's another word that's Levitical— living sacrifice. I mean, that's in comparison to dead sacrifices. Okay? The Old Testament priest within the Levitical system at the tabernacle in the temple offered up slain animals to God where the blood was shed to cover and atone for the people's sin. Well, we're not being asked to kill ourselves, literally, but we are being asked to kill ourselves in service and sacrifice in a living manner where we die to self die to sin, and give ourselves to a life that glorifies God in word, deed, and action. Notice the word service, reasonable service, verse 1. That's a Greek word that speaks again of temple worship. That's why some of your translations will translate that worship, which is your reasonable worship, or literally your Levitical service, your priestly service. So just put that all together. And the argument is here. God's looking for you to give yourself to Him as a living sacrifice in relentless service. In fact, this word, present your bodies, is a word that carries the idea of presenting once and for all. Now, the challenge with that, as you can imagine, is that living sacrifices tend to crawl off the altar. Dead sacrifices stay there. But you see, you and I have wills and volitions and desires, and we have got on a daily basis to bring every thought into captivity to Christ. We've got to beat our body into subjection in terms of its desires and pleasures that will sometimes veer off to a place outside the will of God. We've got to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly. Each and every day, you and I have got to bring ourselves to stay on that altar. It's not easy. It requires 
devotion and discipline and training. And it requires you and I kind of not allowing ourselves to be squeezed into the world's thinking because you and I have been brought up in a culture that has trained us not to believe in sacrifice. This is a culture that wants to live off the sacrifices of past generations and not pay the price. This is a generation that wants to live off the sacrifice of their parents. This is a generation that wants to have others do the sacrificing. That's the culture we're in. We've been told, you can have it, and others will provide it. It's so antithetical. And Paul says, don't be squeezed in to the thinking of the world. Renew your mind and give yourself to Christ. And here's the argument for that. It's kind of the point I'm making. The argument is you do it because of God's mercy. See, before he gets to spiritual gifts, where we give ourselves to the body of Christ, he's asked them to give themselves body, mind, and soul to Christ. Well, Paul, why? I understand the what, but why? Well, let me make this argument. I beseech you by the mercies of God. That's my why. That's my argument. You'll notice mercies are in plural. And so this giving of ourselves to Jesus Christ is to be done against the backdrop of God's mercies. His mercies in justifying us by faith alone and the gift of Christ's imputed righteousness. His mercy in propitiation talked about earlier in this letter where Christ has made satisfaction for our sin by the giving up of himself. In Romans, Paul talks about reconciliation, how Christ has reconciled us to God. He talks about sanctification. He talks about how we haven't come into condemnation and we have now the Spirit of God to allow us to live holy lives. He talks about future grace and shared glory. He talks about the present ongoing prayers and intercession of Jesus Christ. The benefits, the mercies pile up one after another in this book until you get to chapter 11 where, you know what, it's one mercy after another mercy. Paul takes a breath and says, okay, those mercies should produce something in you and me. They should produce surrender, sacrifice, and service. Because of God's relentless mercy, shouldn't we give ourselves continually to him? Isn't his mercy new every morning? In fact, he uses a word which I love, which is your reasonable service is the way the New King James puts it. It's the right word, reasonable. In fact, it could be translated logical. The Greek word gives us the word logic. I love it. Here's what he's saying. In the light of God's mercies, given the cross, given wave after wave of God's kindness and mercy... Isn't it logical? Is there some other conclusion? Is there another path? No. The only logical response to that is you giving yourself to the one who gave himself for you. That's our Greek word. Logical, normative, credible, appropriate. I think Paul's saying this. It is unreasonable. It's unimaginable that you and I would not live a life yielded to the will of God under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't make sense. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ is the only sensible thing you can do with your life. There's no other path. So that's the argument. Number two, the assessment. The assessment. 
Please notice that the Apostle Paul prefaces his instruction on spiritual gifts with a call to self-reflection and personal assessment. That's verse 3. Having made an argument, he now calls for an assessment. For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with him with a measure of faith. Having spoken about a renewed mind, he now asks them to exercise this renewed mind in a sober judgment of their abilities and capacities to serve the Christ they have just given their lives to. So here's the point. Each believer has been graced by God, mercied by God. That's the argument in the light of God's mercies. Give yourself to Him. So now that you've given yourself to Him and you want to serve Him, and that will work itself out in local church ministry through spiritual gifts, you need to make a sober and measured evaluation of your giftedness your capacity, where you fit in, what contribution you can make to the church. That's what Paul is asking for here in what I call the assessment. And by the way, by implication, Paul is saying this, it is not wrong to have an assured, confident assessment of your giftedness. It is not wrong to think, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, I'm good at that. I excel in this area. This is what God has made me to do. Remember how Eric Little said, God has made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's a sober judgment. That's just a fact. He was fast. God made him a good athlete. And when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. So Paul is saying here, look, I want you to make a sober, measured, proportionate judgment about your giftedness since you've now made a gift of yourself to God for His service. And what he argues against here is two things that are wrong. It's not wrong to know you're good at something or you're gifted. But what is wrong is to overestimate or underestimate. So he says what in verse 3? Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. That would be to overestimate. That would be pride. That might be, hey, look at me. Look at how good I am. I'm better than you something like that, to overestimate your giftedness, to forget its source, or actually to make yourself more important than you really are. So don't overestimate. Number two, don't underestimate. If one danger is pride and self-glory, the other danger is false humility. Well, you know, pastor, I'm really just a humble servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not very good at anything. Really? You're a spiritual Eeyore. That's what you are. Come on. I want a sober judgment. Okay, you may not be good at that. And you may stink at this. But hey, I believe you are a highly gifted person, endowed by capacity of the Holy Spirit to serve the church. So tell me what it is. We'll make you as good at it as we can. We'll equip you as the saints of God, Ephesians 4, to do the work of the ministry. I want you to have an assured confidence about your giftedness. So don't overestimate. Don't underestimate. Here's the point. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable in your own skin. Nothing wrong with being happy to embrace how God has made you and gifted you both naturally and supernaturally. Psalm 139, 13 to 16, He knit you together. He wove you intricately in your mother's womb and baked into that cake was talents and strengths 
and capacities. And then, not only at your birth were you given natural abilities, at your new birth, you were given grace gifts, spiritual gifts, charismata, capacities to serve the church of Jesus Christ, to edify it and impact the world. So embrace that. I like the bumper sticker, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And I think Paul's saying the same thing. Be yourself. Be comfortable in your own skin. Know that you've got a certain giftedness. Now, don't wish for someone else's giftedness. Don't downplay your own giftedness. Don't make yourself more than you are, but embrace how God has made you because everyone else is taken. We'll come to it in a moment. It's the analogy of the body. We've got two hands, two feet, two eyes, two ears, one heart, two lungs, a liver, a spleen, a stomach, on and on it goes. And every part of the body is there for a specific use, and it's important. And that's the analogy. Let's have a sober judgment. Let's decide, am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I an eye? Am I an ear? I've got some place in the body. So here's something I'd also say, by the way. Don't be a spiritual copycat. Now, it's good to admire others. It's good to be mentored by others. But don't try and be a spiritual copycat. Don't let your hero or your favorite Bible teacher or your spiritual mentor, you know, become an idol where you want to be them. Because every baby born is a fresh and brand new idea in the mind of God. Don't be a spiritual copycat. Concentrate on your own giftedness. Discover it, develop it to a point of competency. And avoid an overreaction, by the way, because I think it's important to say that while we will excel in the area of our spiritual giftedness, it doesn't mean you don't serve in other areas where you're not gifted. Paul talks about the gift of mercy, so I don't have the gift of mercy, so I can be nasty. No, that's not the point. That's not the point. The person who's got the gift of mercy just has another gear, but you to be merciful. Same with teaching, Same with administration, you get the point. Listen, every tennis racket has a sweet spot. At least so I'm told. I could never get mine to work. Every golf club has a sweet spot. Every baseball bat has a sweet spot. What's the sweet spot? The sweet spot is the place engineered by engineers to cause the ball to go kapow. And you and I are engineered by God. And we all have a zone, a region, a sweet spot that causes our lives to go kapow. Where we're effective, we minister with joy, and we advance the kingdom of God. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. As Philip emphasized, grace is amazing and abundant, equipping us to serve others in the church. Today's message is titled, Highly Gifted People. Listen again when you visit ktt.org. Each year we plan our broadcast schedule to deliver the bold and biblical teaching you've come to expect from Philip DeCourcy. And this month we hope you're getting a lot from this new study called Total Grace. Studies like this one require a lot of planning. And when we lay out the schedule for the new year, we prayerfully consider how we can best serve you. We always welcome your input. So this month we're inviting you to take the KTT Listener Survey. Tell us what you're thinking. You'll find the survey online at ktt.org. 
Another way you can express your support is with a generous donation to Know the Truth. Check out the giving options online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And when you give $25 or more, we'll send you a book by C.L. Chase titled Grace-Focused Optimism. It's one of the resources that Philip's referencing throughout this series, and its pages seem to burst with enthusiasm for the many dimensions of God's grace. Contact Know the Truth today to give and request this book, Grace-Focused Optimism. You can also request a copy when you become a Truth Ambassador, signing up to give a monthly automated donation. Call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to welcome you with a free CD message that's a great tool for evangelism. It's called A New Beginning, and it's the first message in our Total Grace series. Ask for this free CD when you call 888-644-8811. That's all our time for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow for another message from the Total Grace series right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. to the Eric Metaxas Show, you'll hear from the people making news. Plus, we'll talk to some of the more surprising voices in contemporary Christian life. And did I mention fun? Yeah, I'm Eric Metaxas, and I'm trying to pioneer a new kind of talk radio. So join me every weekday for the Eric Metaxas Show. You'll never think about radio quite the same way again. Weekday afternoons at 2 on life-changing talk radio, AM 780 WAVA. Has hope become a stranger in your life? Do you feel trapped? Are you caught in a whirlpool of life and responsibilities that you can't escape? Maybe hope is gone because someone robbed you of your childhood or your youth. Or maybe it's a dream that you know will never come true. We can wish differently, but life will never be painless. But you're saying, where can I find a place where there is peace? Peace is found only in Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.